Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. He is with us live this afternoon. Dr. Raymond, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. I want to ask you about the difference between an MD, a PA, and a nurse practitioner. I've seen all three when I've been at the doctor over the course of the last year. I used to always go to an MD, and I love my doctor. But now I've seen a, a PA. Last time I saw a nurse practitioner. Do they all do the same thing when you're talking about your primary care? Um, yeah, thanks. Really great question. Um, they can do the same things, and each of the different uh, practices, MD or doc, doctor of osteopathy, DOs, are who you would traditionally call a, a doctor, and that's somebody that has four years of undergraduate, four years of medical school, three to seven years of specialty training, so about 11 to 15 years of education before they can practice. Um, advanced practice nurse prescribers have four years of a nursing degree and then two, at least two years of either a master's or doctoral level training um, through the nursing discipline. A PA has four years of undergraduate experience and then 28 months of PA school. The PA school curriculum is modeled very similarly to the medical school curriculum. So there are some subtle differences between the, the different practices. Each practitioner can see patients, they can order tests, and they can prescribe medications, including narcotics, in most U.S. states. All three professions also are certified nationally through a national board exam and then licensed by individual states. Um, there, there are some differences between the groups. Obviously, the degree of education and training are different, um, although a lot of those differences can be made up by practical experience. Nurses can practice independently in at least 26 states in the U.S., Washington, D.C., Guam, and the Northern Mariana Islands. Um, PAs typically practice under the supervision or partnership with a, with a physician. And so I'm not aware of any states in which PAs can practice completely independently. The main message, though, is we need all of those professions. Um, they get great education and great training, and they have their place in the healthcare system. Doctors can't do everything. There are 1.1 million doctors in the U.S., and we're probably short a couple of hundred thousand physicians. So the 300,000 advanced practice nurse prescribers and the 150,000 PAs that are out there practicing fill a lot of those gaps, and they do it very, very well. So my two favorite doctors are Dr. John Raymond and Dr. Frank McCann, who's my primary care guy. Are there things that you guys, you two, can do that my PA cannot do? Um, I guess that depends on the PA and their training. But in general, um, there's a, a higher level of specialization in uh, for physicians in most of the work they do. But again, not all. It really depends on the situation. And one of the things I want to make sure everyone knows, MCW is the largest employer of advanced practice nurses and PAs in the state of Wisconsin. So we have a collaborative practice model, and we really do expect our um, AP, NPs, and our PAs to practice at the top of their licensure so they can do many, many things. So I never heard of this five years ago, and maybe I was naive and it was just starting 10 years ago. I'm positive I never heard of this. Is there 
an acute shortage of doctors, which you alluded to? Is it cheaper for health systems to hire PAs and NPs? Why is this proliferation happening? Well, really great questions. First of all, we've had a chronic shortage of physicians in the U.S., both primary care and specialty physician shortages um, that have not actually improved, even though medical schools have increased the number of graduates that they they put out. Um, and so other professions are filling in those gaps, and they're doing it very, very well. You know, we haven't mentioned other specialties like genetic counselors or pharmacists who also are filling in a lot of the roles that traditionally would have uh, been filled by physicians. Um, I want to stress that the quality of health care in the U.S. is outstanding, that these practitioners um, really can do a fa- fabulous job, and all of them know when to seek help. Yeah, the PI I went to recently, incredible. I, I mean, she was smart and educated and did everything that my doctor does. Uh, I want to move on to another topic. Drug costs are leading millions in the U.S. to not take medications as prescribed. Boy, this seems like a really bad idea, Dr. Raymond. It is, and it's not new, though. Um, drugs are really expensive. They constitute almost 10% of U.S. healthcare costs, estimates of about $400 billion a year. To put that in perspective, the share of total physician and dentist salaries in the United States is a little less than $400 billion. So drugs cost as much as the salaries of all the, the physicians that you may see. Um, our total national health care costs are about $5 trillion. And peop- a lot of people simply can't afford to pay for their medications. So what, what they'll do is they'll skip doses to stretch the dosing out. They'll lower the dose. Um, they'll ration the medications. They'll wait longer to refill medications. Um, understandable, but really not a good strategy because delaying or adjusting medications can really lead to serious health challenges. You know, one of the issues we're dealing with nationally is insulin rationing. Many people can't afford their insulin dose. And obviously, um, that's kind of an extreme example. But if you don't manage your diabetes well, that can lead to so many other problems. And that's one of the reasons why that's been um, near the top of President Biden's health care agenda is to try to have a cap on the cost for insulin therapy. I never thought I'd ask you about this, Dr. Raymond, but Ozempic has been in the news lately. It causes weight loss, and now we're dealing with Ozempic butt. What is that? I know. We've talked about Ozempic (laughs) face before. Uh, Ozempic butt is really the same thing, rapid weight loss that doesn't allow your skin to have elastic recoil or to sort of slowly reaccommodate to the loss of the subcutaneous fat that you have. So people have sort of deflated flabby, sagging butts. Um, and you can see that around the waist as well as in the face with the, this really significant weight loss that can happen over a very short period of time with um, with Ozempic and other semaglutide drugs. All right. Uh, how about Dr. John Raymond's good news of the week? A good news of the week is there is a universal flu vaccine in the works that may be more effective than the seasonal flu vaccine that we get, can cover a lot more strains, and if it works well, um, maybe can help us avoid having annual flu shots. Early in development, but very promising. That is good stuff. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. As always, Dr. Raymond, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, John. Have a great day.